This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Some years ago, when I was active duty in the Army, I was stationed at Fort Raleigh, the 1st Infantry Division, where I was the division psychologist. And I had been in the Army for a while, and my family was used to me coming home and visiting, wearing what we used to call the Class A uniform. Now, at that time, the Class A uniform was a nice skirt and jacket, dark green, solid green color. I had on stockings, heels. It really looked like a flight attendant outfit. That's the uniform that they used to see me in. So here I was at Fort Riley, and I was wearing what was then the battle dress uniform, not the desert uniform that you see today, but this is the one that was more for the European theater, so it looked like trees and things like that. And my mother had never seen me in this uniform. So she was visiting, and I had what they call post guard duty the night before. And so I said, well, as a surprise, when I drive home to my house, I'm going to have on the full outfit with the helmet, with the web gear, with all this equipment attached. I had the 45 holster, everything. The only thing, of course, I had to turn in the weapons before I left the post. But anyway, so I come to my house and I ring the doorbell. And I had had a friend pick my mother up in the airport the night before. She answers the door and she says, oh, my gosh, what have they done to my baby? You know, she sees me in this uniform that she had never seen before. And it was then that she really started understanding the mission of the military and the combatant aspect of it. And from that moment on, she became quite a fierce military supporter because she was actually afraid of me being in the military. Up to that point, she had not been afraid. She had never seen me in the in the battle uniform. And of course, since she's at my house, she's seeing these rooms in my house where I had all kinds of tents and cold weather gear and, and just all kinds of things. And she, and she just could not have imagined it. Now, I tell that story because at the same time that my mother was very fearful about me being in the military, My father had a very different perspective. And since we're just about to get the Father's Day, I want to share a little bit about how my father really has influenced my life. So my father's view was this. My mother went home and she said, do you know that Karen is doing such and such and such in the Army? And he says, well, I think Karen can do anything. (laughs) She can do anything that she sets her mind to. My father had a strong fundamental belief in me. And he also had confidence that if I put my mind to do something, that I would be able to do it. So even if I was doing something that might seem scary, he never fell onto the scary side of it. He always stayed on the side of what could she do with this that would be useful or be valuable. So that was the first thing I got from my father is that he believed in me. That was a strong confidence. The second thing I got from my father was really a sense of perseverance and determination, dedication. My father grew up in very difficult circumstances in the rural South, really doing a very 
segregated Jim Crow era time. And his education was in a one-room schoolhouse that only went to the seventh grade for African-American students. The schools were all segregated at the time, and there were no high schools until the year he was getting ready to go to high school. And most children didn't even stay in school till the seventh grade because they had to work in the farms and do all kinds of work. So needless to say, by the time he actually finished high school, he graduated from the 12th grade before he left Virginia and moved to Baltimore. And later on, when he was taking college math, there were math concepts and issues that he had just not been exposed to in the school that he grew up in. And rather than to say to himself, well, I've never heard of that and I don't know how to do it, he didn't do well in the first math class that he took when he was in college. He took that class again and he studied, he applied himself, he worked really, really hard until he learned every last one of those math concepts. And he learned them so well that as others in the family came along, grandchildren and so on, he was able to teach them advanced math. (laughs) I considered that amazing that he was able to learn this difficult information having not had that foundation at all. So that was part of his perseverance. Another part of that perseverance is that he used to teach the adult Sunday school class at our church. And my father is very introverted. He does not even like public speaking. And yet every week for years, he taught that class. And that was a good role model for me, that you really can even overcome your natural predilections, your fears and whatever, to do something that you think is important or do something that's necessary. So that's what I learned from my father, that perseverance. Thirdly, I also learned from him that there is recovery from mistakes and there's recovery from setbacks. In life, we all make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. And yet my father's philosophy would be that you don't have to be defined by those mistakes. You don't have to be sidelined by them either. You're able to just pick yourself up, get back on track, and continue to drive on with what you have remaining. So when I think about a setback, for example, I know right now he's struggling with memory, and memory is a real big issue for him. And he's not able to do all the things that he used to be able to do. And even with that being the case, and it's very frustrating at times for him, he will still tell you, I'm thankful for what I have left and for what's remaining. And he does the best he can with that. And that's really significant because a lot of people would focus more on the loss or what's missing and they would get stuck there. And in his case, he focuses on what he has remaining and what he can do. And that's what he does. Fourthly, I would describe my father as a very loving and kind person, someone who's very helpful. He's someone who doesn't hold a lot of resentments or grudges. And in fact, if I go back to Baltimore and to the church that he attends, he's that sort of person that everyone likes. And he's willing to stand up for what he believes in and to speak up on issues even if it's a viewpoint that others might not hold, but he will do it in a very nice way. 
And he also has a lot of wisdom. He brings wisdom, counsel, and mentoring to others. And so, so many people over the years have just said how much they love my father and value him and what they've learned from him over the years. And they've even adopted him. So I've learned about it a little bit and say, well, I'll, I'll let you share my father too, because that's the sort of person he is, someone who others relate to with that loving and kind disposition. The fifth thing I would say is that my father has a very strong sense of his life having purpose and also his life being guided and guided really by God in terms of purpose. When I think about him, sometimes I think about this Mahalia Jackson song where the words are something like, you know, how I got over, how my soul looks back and wonders how I got over. And sometimes my father will look back over his life and he knows that it's in many respects a miracle that he is in the place where he is now, that he had the opportunities that he had, the jobs that he had, and the guidance. There were things he wanted to do along the way that were blocked. And as it turned out, it was best for him not to do those jobs. Like, for example, maybe working down at Bethlehem Steel at the steel mill, that probably wouldn't have been a good fit for him. Or even going into the military probably would not have been a good fit for him. Or when he moved to Baltimore, he really wanted to drive the streetcars. But then they went out of business. And so it was good he didn't do that either. So everything along the way. And the fact that even the high school for black children opened up the year that he was supposed to go to high school, everything, all these steps, opportunities were ordered at the right time. So when he looks back over his life, he said, I can see the hand of God in everything that has happened for me. And he looks back with a tremendous amount of thanksgiving, recognizing that as a man who grew up on a slave plantation, For him to have achieved all the things that he achieved in his career, to get to purchase the kind of home that he purchased and everything else, and to have four children, all of whom are successful, none of this would have happened without a sense of purpose and guidance over his life beyond what he could have done and structured on his own, with his own insight and his own wisdom, which would have been limited and unable to see the future and unable to see ahead on all those pathways. So this is just a small subset of the things that I take with me and learn from my father, but one, him believing in me, having confidence in me, him role modeling perseverance and determination and dedication. Thirdly, him saying that recovery from mistakes and setbacks is possible. Things don't have to be perfect for you to be thankful and also a person who can contribute to those around you. And number four, being a loving and kind, helpful person and the gift that comes back to you and being that sort of an individual. And then number five, seeing that his life and then in turn my life is also guided by a purpose that's greater than either one of us. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, 
transleadership.com for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.